Initiating startup sequence. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more, on everything from Aeolian to Xonophone, and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. There's one birthday celebration on this week's show, that of Jack Denny. In other segments, we'll also hear about some hillbillies, do some calling, take a musical trip to Chinatown, and do some catching up. I've played a few of his records here and there over the past several years, but he's never had his own birthday segment, which is a shame, because he made a lot of really nice records. Well, tonight he gets his due. Last week, September 25th, marked the birth in 1895 in Greencastle, Indiana, of Ralph McCord Denny. You may know him better by his stage name, Jack Denny. He served briefly in the Army in 1918, achieving the rank of second lieutenant. His musical career started in Montreal, Quebec in 1920, and he was especially popular in the early 1930s. In February of 1938, the University of Buffalo chose Jack Denny's orchestra over Frank Daly, Jan Savitt, Duke Ellington, and Cab Calloway to play at UB's 17th Annual Prom. An announcement in the university's newspaper, The Bee, said the name Jack Denny is synonymous with the best in lilting dance music, and is famed from coast to coast for the smooth-flowing rhythms of his distinctive orchestra. The article went on to say that Denny first gained national prominence through his Walter Winchell Magic Carpet broadcasts from the Ritzy Mount Royale Hotel in Montreal, Canada, over the NBC radio network. Following several seasons at the Mount Royale, Denny took the orchestra to New York for a long engagement at the starlight roof of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, and national broadcasts over both the NBC and CBS radio networks. That was followed by a seven-month engagement at Broadway's theater restaurant, The French Casino, playing for Clifford Fisher's Follies Berger show. Jack Denny retired from the band business in the early 1940s and worked as a salesman for the Baldwin Piano Company. Jack Denny died September 14, 1950, in Los Angeles, and is buried at the Los Angeles National Cemetery. Here are three from the Jack Denny Orchestra, especially for my friends Joe and Matt, both from Cincinnati, Ohio, and who are both big Jack Denny fans. Thing, 
that you'll say, dear, each word you'll impart. In some magic way, dear, goes right to my heart. They sing it in songs, they say it in plays. I love you, I love you, it's only a phrase. But oh, what a thrill to hear it from you.
Jack Denny and his orchestra with a vocal refrain by Lester O'Keefe and Smile a Little Bit from January 11, 1926. Peggy Shevlin and Bob Morton wrote the tune and Mo Skank the words. Before Smile a Little Bit, we went to the islands on February 15, 1926 to do a bit of drifting and dreaming. Drifting and Dreaming was written by Loyal Curtis, Haven Gillespie, Edwin R. Schmidt, and Egbert Van Alstyne. We started off our birthday salute to Jack Denny in the Great White North with Jack Denny and his Mount Royal Hotel Orchestra with What a Thrill. That was recorded in Montreal on January 9, 22, and issued on Victor 22907. What a Thrill was composed by Al Hoffman, and Rod May sang the Barry Trivers and John Murray lyrics. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Last week we heard all about the Great Hatfield and McCoy feud, and I mentioned that the American Experience documentary starts off with a scene from the Bugs Bunny cartoon Hillbilly Hair. The word hillbilly was first used in print in an article in the New York Journal on April 23, 1900, and defined hillbilly as a free and untrampled white citizen of Alabama who lived in the hills. The article continued that a hillbilly has no means to speak of, dresses as he can, talks as he pleases, drinks whiskey when he gets it, and fires off his revolver as the fancy takes him. Hmm. All of those except the last one could apply to me. The last time we had a hillbilly segment on the show was way back in 2001, and that was just one song. So for this segment, we've got several songs about hillbillies, but not necessarily of the Appalachian stereotype. Broadway's getting moody, that's the reason Bing and Rudy get along by 
Shuck their boots and overalls And even drop their high yalls Them hillbillies are mountain williams now Yeah, man! They left down home They left down home For a microphone For a microphone They made their dough They made their dough On a radio They live in all them big hotels And pal around among the swells Them hillbillies are mountain williams now Oh, little old lady they descended from that hutter, Daniel Boone. Daniel Boone. He's the first great man to sing a mountain tune. Mountain tune. And he taught it to his children. Now his great, great, great grandchildren will be coming round the mountain pretty soon. Pretty soon. Daniel Boone, mountain tune, pretty soon. Oh. They left their good old mountain shack, and they ain't never going back. Hillbillies are mountain Williams now. Their checkered suits and flashy ties would give their kin some surprise. Hillbillies are mountain Williams now. They left their pal in a barefooted gal. They're buying pearls for the chorus girl. They make more dough than movie stars and ride around in motor cars. And hillbillies are mountain Williams now. Now, now.
to zig But I do a zag My Swiss hilly billy He drives me silly When he makes a mountain climber out of me He teaches me how But look at me now Round the mountain, we were skiing round the mountain. With my axle, I was doing all I could. Now from Susie Q and truckin', he don't know from nothing, but he can ole ole oh so good. Oh my axle, I really thought I had him in the bag. I was zagging, zagging, zigging, zigging, zagging, zag, zig, zig, zag. I lost him cause I zigged what I should have zagged.
we haven't heard from George Formby for a while, but there he was with Hillbilly Willie, sounding more like someone from the wide-open Wild West than from the hills of West Virginia. Regal's Zonophone 3746 was recorded April 2, 1939. Hillbilly Willie was written by Formby, Harry Gifford, and Fred Cliff. I guess they have hillbillies in Switzerland, or billies from the Swiss hills, as evidenced by Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians with My Swiss Hillbilly, not My Swiss Hillbilly. The vocal trio on that August 18, 1937 Victor 78 is unidentified. My Swiss Hillbilly was written by Sidney Mitchell and Lou Pollock and was preceded by America's Hillbilly Aces, the Hoosier Hotshots, with them Hillbillies or Mountain Williams now. That Melatone 78 was recorded in Chicago on October 8, 1935. Them Hillbillies or Mountain Williams Now was written by James Cavanaugh, Dick Sanford, and Sammy Mizells. We started that Hillbilly set with Ramona and her grand piano with Broadway's Gone Hillbilly, written by Lou Brown and Jay Gorney for the 1934 Fox film Stand Up and Cheer. Victor 24598 was recorded March 27, 1934. Last week I mentioned that one of my wife's favorite jokes ends with the punchline, so that's what they're calling it these days. But I had time to play just one song about what they're calling things these days. So here's a proper segment for that topic, starting off with Phil Spitalny. And I'm sorry, but I still can't tell that joke on the radio. Call it love 
George McFarlane, Canadian-born stage and screen actor and singer George Jarvis McFarlane, with his January 25, 1915 recording of A Little Bit of Heaven, subtitled Sure They Call It Ireland. A Little Bit of Heaven was composed by Ernest R. Ball with the words by J. Kieran Brennan, who wrote the lyrics to a huge number of songs in the teens and early 20s. Before George McFarlane, it was Paul Whiteman and his orchestra with the medley foxtrot, they call it Dancing, introducing the schoolhouse blues. Both of those tunes are by Irving Berlin from his two-act Music Box Review, which opened, appropriately enough, at the Music Box Theater on September 22, 1921, and ran for over a year, racking up 440 performances. The show cost $187,613 to produce. If you heard a lot of piano notes in there, it's because there were not one, but two pianos in the instrumentation, 
played by Henry Lang and Ferdy Groffet. It took two sessions and eight takes, but they finally got it right on January 6, 1922, issued on Victor 18856. We started the set with Chick Bullock, backed by Phil Spitalny and his orchestra with You Call It Madness, but I Call It Love. Perfect 15522 was recorded September 18, 1931. You Call It Madness was written by Gladys Dubois, Russ Colombo, and Con Conrad. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. There are 56 officially designated or historically important Chinatowns in the United States, including in seemingly unlikely places as Helena, Montana, and Phoenix, Arizona. For this segment, we're going to take a musical trip to one of them, and it starts off with a fantastic record from another unlikely location, Soviet Russia.
the lights are burning when the sun goes down Down where dreamy dreamers dream sweet dreams In that land of gladness, picking little poppies there among the hoppies There's no tomorrow, sorrow, grief and care Oriental angels whisper, take me there I'll sing with these little pigtails, where's no frown Down in blinky, winky, chinky Chinatown
Kaplan's Melodus, directed by Dave Kaplan, who led various Edison house bands, was a pianist, arranger, and Edison recording supervisor, with Hoptown Chinatown Hop. Edison 51054 was made February 13, 1923, and Hoptown Chinatown Hop was written by Billy Basquette. Vic Burton is heard on this show primarily as a drummer with the Wolverines, Red Nichols, Roger Wolf Kahn, and Paul Whiteman. He also composed several tunes and formed his own band in California in the late 1920s. In the first half of 1935, Vic Burton and his orchestra made a dozen records under his own name, mostly on Vocalion and Brunswick, but several on Columbia. We heard one of them in Blinky Winky Chinky Chinatown. Gene Schwartz wrote the tune and William Jerome the words. Vocalion 2964 was recorded March 25, 1935. We started the segment with a spectacular rendition of another Gene Schwartz William Jerome song, Chinatown My Chinatown. It was written in 1910 and recorded by dozens of bands beginning in the teens and was even turned into a Max Fleischer screen song animated short film in 1929. But there's no more fun version of it than the one we heard by a vocal quartet led by Cheslav Janaszewski. That recording was made in 1945 and is from an LP called The Anthology of Early Soviet Jazz, Volume 6. This final segment of tonight's show is made up of three records which have nothing whatsoever to do with each other. They're records I didn't have time to play during segments on recent shows, but deserve to be heard. Without speech, brothers and 
and sisters, listen to truthful Parson Brown. time lived a fair princess most beautiful and charming. Her father the king was a wicked old thing with manners most alarming and always on the front door mat. A most ferocious dragon sat. It made such an awful shrieking noise so all you little girls and boys beware. Take care of the green-eyed dragon with the thirteen tails. He'll feed with greed on little boys, puppy dogs and big fat snails. And off to his lair, each child he'll drag, and each of his thirteen tails he'll wag me. What a gun! Creep up on tiptoes, then hurry up the stairs and say your prayers, and duck your head, your pretty curly head's beneath the clothes, the clothes, the clothes. <laughs> that dragon he lived for years and years, but he never grew much thinner. For lunch he'd try a policeman pile, roast MP for dinner. One brave man went round with an axe and tried to collect his income tax. The dragon, he smiled with fiendish glee, then sadly murmured, R.I.P. Beware, take care of the green-eyed dragon with the 13 tails. He'll feed with greed on little boys, a puppy dog, and big fat snails. Then off to his lair, each child he'll drag, each of his thirteen tails he'll wag, be take care, and creep up on tiptoes. Then hurry up the stairs and say your prayers, and duck your head, your pretty curly head's beneath the clothes, the clothes, the clothes. <sighs> that dragon went down to the kitchen one day where the fair princess was baking. He ate by mistake some rich plum cake which the fair princess was making. Ah! That homemade cake he could not digest. He moaned and he groaned. And at last went west. And now his ghost with bloodshot eyes at midnight clanks his chains and cries, Beware, take care of the green-eyed dragon with the thirteen tails. He feed with greed on little boys, puppy dogs, and big Fat nails. <laughs> then off to his lair, his child, he'll drag, and each of his thirteen tails, he'll wag, beware, take care, and creep up on tiptoes. 
Then hurry up the stairs and say your prayers and duck your head. Your pretty curly head's beneath the clothes, the clothes, the clothes. that record slated for last week's birthday tribute to Arthur Freed, who wrote the words and music to All For You. That was George Olson and his music with the vocal duo of Fran Fry and Bob Rice. Victor 19943 was recorded January 22, 1926. On the September 15th show, I played The Parson of Puddle, written by Greatrix Newman. One of Newman's other compositions was The Green-Eyed Dragon, which was performed there by baritone John Charles Thomas accompanied by pianist Carol Hollister. Victor Red Seal 78, number 1655, was recorded November 23, 1933. 
John Charles Thomas was born in 1891 and studied at the Peabody Institute in Baltimore. In 1913, he was contracted by the Schubert Brothers and for the next nine years starred in a series of Broadway musicals, after which he pursued an opera career. He appeared with the Washington National, San Francisco, Chicago, and Philadelphia Opera Companies, and in 1934 was signed by the Metropolitan Opera. He was heard regularly on radio, including the Five Star Theater, the Magic Key of RCA, and the Coca-Cola shows. He retired to Apple Valley, California, about an hour away from me, where his home is one of the town's historical sites. I'll have to visit next time I'm in the area. Also on the September 15th show, we had a segment about Parsons, which was supposed to include the record that started off this segment. Willard Robeson, accompanied by Nat Shilkert and the Victor Orchestra, telling us all about truthful Parson Brown. It took six takes in three different sessions in Liederkranz Hall over a span of about three months, but they finally got it right on May 31, 1928, and take five was issued as Victor 21458. Initiating shutdown sequence. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.